I've never seen cups so large. You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, sponsored by Starburst Magazine, and for the next 60 minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who so that you don't have to. I'm shaking my booty. Simon. And what are we talking about tonight, guys? Horses. <laughs> we have been. <laughs> season 10. Any particular reason why I'm talking about season 10? No idea. Because you told us to. Yeah. Is it because it's got an anniversary story in it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose it's like Terry Scott when you did that. But I'm cowering because if I say anything wrong, I just don't know Crikey whether he's going to turn around and thwack me. Well, it does have an anniversary story in it, but you're kind of uh, picking up the morsels when you could be eating the meal there. It's because it's an anniversary season. Yes, but it doesn't feel like one. What? Uh, well, this is what we're should... going to discuss tonight, is it? Yeah. Whether it feels like an anniversary season or not. Was there well, I, well, no, but the whole point of Frontier in Space and Planet of the Daleks was supposed to be going back to the Daleks master plan and having mm. a 12-episode Dalek epic but because it, it was the anniversary season. Yeah, I mean, that was the idea behind it, wasn't it? But what actually came about didn't feel as special as it could have been. Well, that's because they got two writers to do it and they messed up by not giving the second writer the brief to follow the first story. Oh. Oops. We shall get to that. Yeah, we shall get to that. Shall we just plough straight, straight in? Straight in, mm. let's go. Okay, we did our usual thing where we vote for the stories in our order of preference mm. and we do the podcast in reverse order of how they came out. And although we had an outright winner, all four of the other stories drew, but only in pairs. Two of them came last, two of them came second, and one story came first. And so we tossed a coin to see what order we'd read out the drawn stories in. And the story that drew the shortest of all the short straws was Frontier in Space. Travis. Good. <clears throat> okay, that's interesting. Did you hear that, Mark? Good. Blimey, Why that's you wrong, good. Simon. What's that? Simon, you've watched it recently. I watched it this week. So what was, the, what was your problem with it? It's just dull as ditch water. That all it is, just slow. It, do you know what? It's Doctor Who's equivalent of The Phantom Menace. It's the same story. How dare you? But it is. People get locked up and escape and get locked hey, up Hey, I again like and that. And in the background, there's somebody orchestrating... Yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. thing. So. Mark likes people getting locked up. Yeah. Does he? I quite like the frontier in space. I quite like the whole of season 10. I 
I didn't vote that last. I actually voted another story last, but the story I voted last I quite like as well. I quite like all five stories. I'm, I'm being a bit overly harsh. I don't think any of this series is particularly bad. The Draconians are one of the best uh, aliens <laughs> yeah, in the underused. original series. Yeah. I don't think they're necessarily... Well, underused in... In as much as the, they potentially there's a lot of their backstory that could have been explored. It's quite nice. But I think John, John Pertwee... John, have, I said, have, I, have I said it wrong again? Yeah. What, per, Pertwee? <laughs> Pertwee. Is it per, John Pertwee. Yeah. Pertwee. You know, like you say, um, Orton. Orton. Pertwee. Cyberman. Yeah, Pertwee. Pertwee. Orton. Pertwee. And Master. Um, famously said they were fav- the fav- his favourite of the enemies, wasn't yeah. it? Because well, the- it's because of the human mask. It's because yeah. of the fact that he could act with an actor, looking at him with eyes and mouth movement and stuff. Mm. Whereas a Dalek is, you know, just I a like tin the, pot. kind of the samurai. The, yeah. the kind of... And really the, cool. the, the whole design and of the creature is beautiful. good now. They do. And they could be Believe brought me, back. Believe me, there's some pretty shoddy aliens in Classic Who, mm-hmm. which is, I do kind of like, but... They ain't no monoids, is them? No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the Draconians are, are like the, um, the modern-day Silurians. That kind of makeup and that, mm-hmm. yeah. that movement in the face. It's reptilian look. It's lovely. It's really nice. I think they're gorgeous. I think they did a pretty good job of exploring them, really. We got the fact they gave of... them a culture as well. Yeah. yeah. And we got to see... I mean, most of the time, if you had an alien like that in Doctor Who, you would just see them as you saw the Draconians in the first episode. In other words, in the, in the first few episodes, you just see the Draconians removed from their society. And it's very rare in Doctor Who that you actually get to go and visit that society particularly in the same story, mm. but in this one you do. So actually, the Draconians got a lot more bang for their buck than most... I mean, they didn't... Zygons? We never got to see the Zygons. No, I, I suppose, as I was watching it and other things were going on, I just kind of lost interest because it felt like it was this... The ideas are fantastic, and I've always liked the idea of the story. I've, before watching it properly, I'd always really liked the idea of it, and I imagine the Target book is probably very good. Not so sure. No, you know, this the Phantom Menace maybe. thing that you brought up. Yeah, I've got to say the Target book isn't as it's, it's just it's not, as equally no. as dull. But um, the it's it's all about diplomacy and and mm. being right on the edge of a war and all this sort of thing. Yeah. Isn't it? it's a bit like the Star Wars thing. But you never, I never really got that feeling of tension. No, uh, at all when I saw it, I never uh, believed the Phantom situation. Menace or the Frontier in Space. Sorry, the Frontier in Space, <laughs> or the Phantom Menace. But I never got that feeling that there was something about to really. Kick go up. down that's no. terrible mm. and the, the tension was really there there's a little bit there I suppose but and the Doctor's the peacemaker in it all yeah I like that I like the xenophobia in it and I like the there's some good things explored the paranoia and on paper it, all the elements are there to make a really interesting yeah. Doctor Who story and quite grown six up six 25 minute episodes are too much exactly six episodes way the too. sea devils into a cocked hat as far as I'm concerned absolutely sea devils has got the iconic imagery but mm. not a lot else. No, actually, yeah, I, what? I, I'd agree. Sorry, what am I hearing? Did you just no, say I, that the Frontier <laughs> Space is better than the Sea Devils? I yeah. would agree yeah. when I finally yeah. saw the Sea Devils. <laughs> what? I, Why? You, you go on about how much fun Doctor Who is. Oh, it's fun, though. It doesn't matter. Sea Devils is fun, isn't it? There's a lot of fun in it. It it, it trundles on. I never get bored in it. Really? There's a lot Masters in it. it. That's why my I've, main problem with Frontier yeah. Space, not a lot happens. Yeah, but whereas the Sea Devils, a lot happens, but the, the story's pretty... Does it? Silly. I'm not sure it does. I don't think the Sea Devils holds up terribly well. I can't think of anything dull in it. Stuart Fell does a flip. Yes, oh, he, he does, does doesn't he? Yeah. 
Bless him. But the yeah. point is, it's a Mac Hulk story, right? Yeah. And the thing that really lets Sea Devils down for me is it's the only Mac Hulk story where he writes a generic species. Do you know him personally to call him Mac? Pardon? Do you know him personally to call him Mac? Dead now. It's the, well, use you know, the, the last episode you pulled it's up. It's the use Leon of the first the name without <laughs> the surname. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Malk. Mac. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people like it, but I can't stand the music in the sea. It was bloody awful. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, that if I had to pull anything on that, it would be that. But I would say the first time you buy an analog synth and you start twiddling with the knobs, that's the noise first you make. You get yeah, out. Fantastic. But and not the good for sea devils. Mind. We're supposed to be talking about season ten. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but you just well, brought the the fact up that the frontier in space kicked the sea devils into a cocktail. And I was wondering why, because frontier, frontier, frontier. Want to you pick me up on my You've word been watching again. too many game shows from the 1970s. Yeah. <laughs> it's a knockout. What have I said wrong? <coughs> frontier. Frontier Fr- in space. I said frontier. Fron. Fron. Instead of fron. Oh, I get it. Oh, my up. God. Can we just talk about the story? Oh, God. Yeah. Sea Devils is the only Katie Manning upskirt that's a real disappointment. Is that why you don't like it? <laughs> because it's a terrible the reason. upskirt on Katie Manning is when she's been played by Stuart Fell climbing up a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I brought that up. No, I, I just want to know why, you, why you're why you putting Frontier in space a little bit higher than the, the Sea Devils. Was it about that that's actually really Because it's filled with three-dimensional characters, whereas Sea Devils filled with caricatures and generic aliens. But what's more fun to watch? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think there's a great deal of difference between what happens on screen in terms of variety and liveliness, because mm. in spite of what you said about Frontier in Space, it's fairly lively and there's a fair bit of variety. You get to see how many alien planets and spaceships and species. I think it's over long, species. Six but I think too much, you do but... get to see how much more... John Pertwee's doctor can be really horrible to his assistant as well. <laughs> yeah, he really is. He does, he does meander between... space, it's set on Earth, it's set on the moon, it's set on Draconia, yeah. it's and set on the got planet of funky, the And they've got funky karate outfits when they're on the moon. True, I do colony. like a good yeah. far-fetched outfit. And how many spaceships do we also get to visit? It's like... It's it's not, it is a space opera, I give yeah, you that. It's not entirely unlike the chase in that respect. And you get, you get the Draconians... Um, and you get the Ogrons, and you get... Ogrons. The uh, <laughs> northern thing, I suppose. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> and you get the creature that the Ogrons, Ogrons, are scared of. Mm. Well. <laughs> but then you get the Master, yeah. and you get the Daleks. Okay, mm. yeah. Okay. And it's a shame that they weren't brought in halfway through, because that would have really spiced so. it up. Yeah, but well, that's no, the point. They, they seriously are coming been, in halfway, it halfway through, because you've got Planet of the Daleks afterwards. That's kind of the right. point. Are we going to treat this as one long 12-episode story or two separate no. stories? No. two separate well, stories. No, but the point... Okay, the, the, but the, the separate story that is Frontier <laughs> in Space, I think they should have come in halfway through. As we said earlier, there's a lot of locking up of the Doctor and Joe, and sometimes that brings out quite good character moments where they sit and talk, but you don't want that all the time. And I'm not saying that it should be a David Tennant episode and just you know, run at lightning speed all the time, but if you're going to keep locking up and incarcerating your main characters, they did it on Carnival Monsters as well quite a few times, 
you, it loses something, it starts to drag, and you kind of think, no, Probably we don't, we don't want this. You, what you want is the Daleks to just suddenly turn up and go, only, we're going to take over the universe. Only if you watch it all in one go, though. Probably. Kick it over. If yeah, you watch it a week at a time. Yeah. yeah. What are you looking Mind forward you after to? After six weeks, aren't you going to go, well, thank God for that? Well, yeah, but did you say that about Inferno or the Ambassadors no, no, of Death? No, but I was going to make the point that, uh, that Doctor Who did seem, in the classic era, did seem to fall nicely into the four-episode thing. That seemed to be the right amount. And it was rare that you got a six- or seven-episode story that really worked consistently. I think Inferno is one of those. Obviously, the War Games is the classic of that. You know, ten episodes. Yeah, it's bizarre how that works. Like so, it's bizarre but how that works what you're so well. doing is you're looking back at it retrospectively. Okay. Because you're lumping the war games in with Inferno and with Frontier in Space. Whereas if you were watching it as it went out, during the Pertwee years, you'd be used to six-part stories because that's mostly what you had. And if you were watching it a week at a time, it didn't matter if it was four weeks or six mm. because it would just be next just week serial. is the next episode of the story that I've been watching this week. Okay, well, you wouldn't I'll have to rewatch it and think, does it progress? Well, just watch it a week at a time, an okay. episode a week. I don't have time for that. <laughs> well, it didn't take any longer. <laughs> No, but I'd have to watch about five Doctor Who episode stories at once. Well, yeah, um, why not? Get through, through I'd quite them. like to do that. I'll be actually. dead before I manage did to it, watch all of it again. Did, none of us saw this on visual transmission. Did you see it? Yeah. You did? Yeah. Is this why you're bigging it up? Why? Because there's a nostalgia value? Attached no, there's really. no nostalgia value for okay. it because I have no memories of it whatsoever. Did you see it first, Mark? Um Probably when it got reran on UK Gold. Yes, probably me too. in the sort of nineties, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you got to watch it all in one go on a Sunday morning, or whatever it was. Yeah, they ran it on. And I got to say, four episodes in, I was thinking, come on, even then, and I was really hot for you know new Who that I'd never seen before. So it was the first time I'd ever seen it. I even you were then, really hot for Katie Manning then for a minute as well, but. Um, <laughs> No, but four episodes that. and I was thinking, okay, the pol- I understand, right? There's some politics here. There's a bit, there's a bit of tension trying to be happening in this space war, which it doesn't come across. The master's cool, doctor's good, draconians are nice. What else is going on? Well, there was it's... no. There was, what is the story of that? That that's yeah, so but compelling. I think also, the other problem is you're coming into it. All three of you are coming into it, mm. and you knew the Daleks were going to turn up at the end before you saw it the first time, right? True. Right. Right. Imagine if you didn't. Imagine if for five weeks you knew that somebody was behind this thing, but you didn't know who it was. And not only that, but the Master was involved in this thing, and you knew that whoever was behind this thing had to be bigger than the Master. Now imagine what that story would have felt like. Hmm. But okay. you don't have a precursor that lasts five and three quarter episodes, do you? Pardon? You don't have a, an introduction or a, a precursor to some big event. No, it's not. It's like you look at the war games, right? And you know that the Doctor's going to find out that one of these guys in the war games is actually another Time Lord, right? <coughs> but it's four weeks before he finds that out. Hmm. You can't say these things don't work. If that's how they're set up to work, that's how they're working, right? Hmm. 
So there have been other stories, uh, just trying to think off the top of my head, but I can't think of one off the top of my head, but there have been other stories where you, the invasion, mm. right? Okay, that's four weeks before you find out it's a Cyberman, and then four weeks afterwards, but that's not unlike this. This is six weeks before you find out it's the Daleks, and then, although it's called a different story and it's got a different writer, and it is a different story, but the idea is Frontier in Space for six weeks you know there's somebody doing something, but you don't know who it is. And you're building up to it. And then you get Planet of the Daleks, which is the story that happens once you know who it is. And that's how it's supposed to be working. It's supposed to be working. But because, of course, you all knew that it was going to be the Daleks, you didn't have that tension. I can't honestly say I enjoyed it, though. Not It, it didn't really come alive until like the Master was involved, and you start getting some nice dialogue. It's like it's, you're saying about the invasion. Pedestrian. I've listened to the invasion audio in the car and really enjoyed it. And it didn't feel like it was backtracking. It didn't feel no. like it was treading water. It says says it really probably more to do with it being money. a Pertwee story, though, surely. <laughs> it, it feels, writing, it feels pedestrian. <laughs> I've got to say, yeah. whereas the invasion doesn't at any point, and I'm trying to think of why that is actually, because you know my son sat down and watched all eight episodes, eight episodes, isn't it? The invasion. Yeah, the animation probably helps. Well, no, because it's only two episodes, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. So it's six episodes, same yeah, length what as Frontier. I'm is he sat and watched all of it with me, and this was be... like four years ago, and it was well, seven. The four dull episodes are broken up by the fact that two of them are animated, and then you've got the Cybermen. But he didn't know that. He didn't know at any point there were any Cybermen either. He yeah, but what I'm saying is, the story if the Cybermen hadn't turned up, those last four episodes, if they'd been the same yeah. as the first four, but without the animation, he'd have been bored by the end when, of it. When did they come in? End of episode four. Four, right. So, equivalent episode three, Frontier in Space, that's when the Daleks should have turned up. That well, was, no, that was kind the of my equivalent point. is episode six, because you've got to consider that the production team had planned this as a 12-part story in which the Daleks would turn up halfway through. Oh, I see. That right. was very definitely the plan. They mm. sat down and planned that. They said, let's have a 12-part Dalek story, two separate stories in which the Daleks turn up at the end of the first one, and then the second one is mm. Doctor Who against the Daleks. Yeah. So it's six and a bit episodes of the Daleks, not 12. I mean, we'll, we'll come we to, really get to see them, do we? Compare yeah, the this, dialogue and what have you. The, in, sorry. Sorry, just to at least point, yeah. yeah, but the invasion is four episodes of the Cybermen in an eight-part Cyberman story, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing. But you have the presence of the, of the Cybermen. Where? Through Tobias Vaughn, through... Doesn't he talk to something that goes in the wall? You've got that presence. You've got something about the Cybermen being there, but you don't know who they are. There's some force, malevolent mm. force, behind the whole operation, which you see... In Frontier, yes, they're behind the scenes, but I had no idea that, you know, you wouldn't have any idea it's the Daleks or anybody else until you get to the very end. And you go, oh, oh, they're supposed to be doing this. Oh, I see. You don't get the feeling that they're there all the time. There's no, <coughs> there's no one talking to a screen like the War Games and kind of relaying information back to the Masters or anything like that. You just don't get that, do you? You don't know that there's something going on until the very end when the Daleks come in and you go, oh, so they were behind everything. It's like a really instant ending. There's no real build, is there? Well, to want okay. to know so who's behind there's a flavor. it. There's a flavour with all the technological, technological stuff. And... There's, there's nothing to do. There are no Dalek elements in the first five episodes mm. of that mm. story at all. 
well, or even uh, close. Just my personal view is that it's a lack of, there's a lack of character to it. And it's just it a lack of pace and everything and like I, that. I was going to say, if you, if you compare it, we'll come to the Green Death later, but I watched the Green Death, obviously last. I actually watched these in order. and um, You watched all of these? I watched <laughs> Frontier in Space wow. through to the Green Death, because <laughs> I already know the other ones fairly well. Okay. Um, and Green Death, I thought, well, I'm gonna, we'll come to that, but in comparison to Frontier in Space, and that's why I voted like I did. Yeah, but I, I could just say that I still enjoyed Frontier in Space being... Doctor Who. Yes. Because, you know, watching Pertwee berate Katie Mann all the way through it, watching the Draconians do their thing, watching the Master. Delgado is a dream to watch, isn't he? And, you know, if it was just kind of shaved to about four episodes or the Daleks popped in halfway through, I think it would have been a brilliant six episodes. But for my money, it's not as good as the other ones that are on the list. And that's why we voted it last. Yes. So, moving on to the story that we didn't vote last, but that actually we did vote last, but we flipped a coin and it came up fourth. (laughs) And it's oh, <laughs> <laughs> the one you voted first. No, I didn't no? vote it um, first, but you know by my reaction what it was. Yeah, what was it? Planet of the Daleks. Really? Yeah, it is yeah. pretty clunky. Let's be honest. It's a it's a clunky one following a clunky one, but it was better than the one before it. <laughs> I think to be fair, I think the whole second half of that season that Simon just said he's watched. All three of those stories are pretty clunky. Mm. You know, even Frontier in Space, I was trying to play devil's advocate a bit, but it is, you know, it's not lively. But I mean, And the, neither is Green Death. But you've got mm. great nostalgia value yeah. connected to Planet of the Daleks. Yes. I the love the Target novel. I loved it, and I love the cover mm. of that as well. That had a lot of value to, to enjoying the, the, the thing the One first time the I best. saw it. But I was, personally, I was interrupted watching that about six times. Trying to watch it, got interrupted, missed a couple of episodes. That's the first time on Beast Sky B or whatever. Came out again on the UK Gold and, and same deal again. Seemed to, for some reason, got interrupted watching it. Then I think it was re-released with colourised versions on BBC Two or something like that. Mid-90s, I can't remember. They yes, cut, no, you're right. They did. They released it on proper national telly. Yeah. For everybody to watch. Probably yeah, early colour, 2000s. Yeah. So I can't remember. What do you mean they what, showed it? They yeah. repeated it? What did I yes. say? Well, you said they released it with colourised versions. Uh, they released it afterwards, but they, I think they showed they it. They showed it on yeah. BBC Two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's in what I meant, the sorry. 1990s, but yeah. it wasn't colourised. They showed the third episode in black and white. Oh right, okay. Oh. And then they colourised it for the whatever. But when um, did when did the first? Yeah, that's the first time it's been in colour. Oh, is it, came it really? Out DVD. Yeah, that's funny. Other memory tricks, isn't it? Totally. I was convinced I'd seen the colourised version again, before. But again, watching that yeah. interrupted all the way through. So I've never really, until the DVD came out sat down and watched it one end to the other and really wanted to enjoy it and I think that was my own personal that's why I voted a bit lower because I could never really have a proper sit down with it and enjoy it and then when I finally did I was kind of a bit disappointed and you'd already seen the original Daleks story so it's yeah. kind of you'd kind of seen it already anyway so. <laughs> yeah I know what they're last like. you voted Frontier in Space first I did not who have I got down here as putting I voted first so why didn't you come to my defence when I was trying to defend Frontier in Space against these two? He did. I did. He's still seething about us dunking the biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> Mark does not dunk. Let's get this clear. But neither do you. <laughs> <laughs> but neither do you. <laughs> no, I like him dry. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Let's Rich get out of that nest of I'm not for dunking. Rich T's good at... Yeah, it's got to be dunked, isn't it? Yeah. 
Planet of the Daleks. Really? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Poor excuse for a biscuit. Sorry. We do that on a biscuit No, podcast. I like ridge teas. Yeah. Only dunked. Oh, okay. I wouldn't eat it not dunked. If you eat it not dunked, it's like eating paper. Yeah. Yeah. But if Be you well. dunk it, it's more like eating... Even the dog turns wet his nose paper. up rich tea. No, it's more like ready break. <laughs> if, it's like rust. If a hobnob dunked is more like porridge, then a rich tea dunked is more like ready break. And it's Actually, like yeah, a lot of dogs, you give rich tea and they'll just lick it until it turns to mush and then they'll eat it. Our dog, he, I, he likes bourbon creams. I have to break them up into really tiny bits. Oh, careful. And then he picks them up and then he runs off as if he's got something he shouldn't have. Chocolate's bad for tummies for Exactly, dogs. yeah, cocoa. Mm. Really bad for dogs. Oh, he seems fine. Well, yes. But when I say I give him a rid- bourbon, I mean I break <laughs> him off a tiny corner. It's not like he's eating a whole biscuit. He'll get home and there'll it's be a, a, a biscuit barrel. Yeah. <laughs> there'll be a biscuit barrel and all these bourbons on the floor and then there'll be this rigor mortis dog with his legs in the air like that. With a little note saying, why didn't you tell me? Anyway, Chocolate Planet of the Daleks. Yeah, yeah, can but, we talk about Planet of the Daleks? <laughs> dogs. Uh, a memorable invisible Daleks, which I suppose was kind of cool. Didn't yeah, 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 yeah. No, I like the idea of it. It was just so badly realised. Purple furry cloaks. <laughs> Brilliant. Cheap fancy dress. It's completely I like the ridiculous. And the script is so much more ambitious than anything they were ever going mm. to be able to put together in a television studio. Yeah, exactly. Like, but then, but I I've said this so many that. times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If they're gonna do, if they're gonna try to bite off more than they can chew and see just how much of it they can chew, I'd rather they do like that. Like a soggy biscuit. I'd rather they do that than not even bother trying. No, absolutely. It's why and I love who the wrote web. this one? It's why <laughs> I love the web planet. Terry love Nation. Terry Nation. <laughs> yeah, but the but the other thing is when you're a kid. You don't notice the sets and the special effects as not being up to scratch. When you're a kid, it all seems realistic. When I saw Planet of the Daleks when it was transmitted, that jungle was the scariest mother-loving jungle ever. (laughs) I was terrified. I've got to agree, that's the best jungle set until Planet of Evil came along and just swept it aside. I don't think they did jungle sets before that, actually. Do you know what's nice they about did, it? They? It's, they it's a, a proper sequel to the Daleks because you've got the Thals coming back as well. Yeah. And I really like that. That's why I gave it extra points in my head. A retread, really, isn't it? It is I a retread. The I whole thing. I don't know if it necessarily is that much of a retread. Not as much as people have made out. People say, oh, it's just a remake of the first Dalek story. But two things. One, I don't think it's any more of a remake then for example aliens is a remake of alien because aliens in spite of the fact that there's lots of them this time and there's a whole army of people coming to get them basically the story beats in both those two films are pretty much exactly the same and i think planet of the daleks is less of a remake of the daleks than Mm. aliens is of alien but the other point is i think i've said this before as well when planet of the daleks was on in 1973 a They were celebrating 10 years of Doctor Who, so it should reference the first Dalek story by way of celebration. And B, somebody who's seven in 1973 is not going to have ever seen the first Dalek story. So it's absolutely fair enough to put a story in front of a seven-year-old kid or even a 10-year-old kid that maybe references a story from 10 years previously. Even that aside, the Thals have progressed in as much as they've... Absolutely. They've learned how to travel. And, what, and, and, and uh, 
Try and point out to me what it is about Planet of the Daleks that's remaking something from the Daleks. I don't think I necessarily agreed with that point. No. The fact that it's it a remake. Mark. I thought you just, you're the one who said it was a retread. No, that was me. Yeah. Okay, but I, what I, is it? When in... you said it, I, I kind of went, yeah, yeah, kind of. And, but I wasn't but really convinced and you just reconvinced what me. What is it's there not... in Planet Only of the Daleks? Only the protagonist. That's all, really. Not it's a jungle that. planet, even though the dead planet was a petrified, petrified forest. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's got the Thals and the Daleks in it, and that's it. And I suppose there's a, a fairy coat in it as well. Well, there's, <laughs> there, are, there are things that are in both, like the Thals have to break into the Dalek city by yeah. climbing mm. through the cave system, right? Oh, cave systems. But this is just Terry Nation doing his boy's own adventure, Flash Gordon. Yeah, I, like the, idea. I, hate I like the idea of the frozen, the liquid. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Colgate Blue Minty Gel coming out. Yeah, oh. yeah. I, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm <laughs> no. saying this is some, some of the things that people point to when they say <laughs> remake. But I'm just saying it's just Terry Nation doing the Terry Nation thing. Mm. It's not a case of one being a remake of the other, but a case of him using the kind of tropes he likes to use. Mm. It's like, like the ice tunnels from um, Keys of Marinus. Quite. It's yeah. just like, would you say that <laughs> Stephen Moffat's stories are all remakes of one another because he uses a lot of tropes over and over? I don't think of them as remakes in so far as I think it's just a theme that exists mm. in his work. Yeah. And yeah. I think you can say the same about Terry Nation. You don't, I mean... Uh, you are about the boy's own thing because there's a lot of unbelievable escapes in a lot of his stories. And one of those is that lovely moment with um, John Pertwee and the parachute moment, the, uh, you know, where all the hot air gets under oh, the air. It takes I mean, brilliant. how totally impossible <laughs> scientifically would that be? But it's great. It's just, it, that I know John Pertwee in hot air. Oh. If it was helium. Do you know the other... Well, the two other things of note Mr. in Joe that there. story. <laughs> One is the romance for Joe Grant. Which... Yeah, that's a bit... What? Well, no, because it's deliberately there. It's put mm. into that story in order to allow her the psychological and emotional room to fall in love and marry and leave John Pertwee in the next yeah. story. Yeah. Okay. So that's deliberately put in there to prefigure that. Mm. And then the other thing is, <laughs> and this is... <laughs> So, I just thought of the moment, you know, when uh, right at the end, where the uh, the Thal who's taking a shine to her says, "Latep, yeah, he's only one letter away." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said what I was thinking. Um, uh, he says, "Will you come back? I've I've fallen for you. Will you come back to Scarrow with me?" And she goes, "No, I'm going to go back to Earth." He goes, "Okay," and walks off again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, shallow. But the Sh- other thing, shallow thou. The other. Th- <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, go on. That's good. The other thing, but the other thing that really stands out for me in that story is the sort of speechifying by the Thals. Right. Speechifying. John oh, Pertwee yeah, yeah. talks to the Thals and said it's more important to have the courage, and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. there's quite a lot of that stuff throughout mm-hmm. the whole story. Yeah. And when I was a kid. And this is probably more in the Target book because I wouldn't have remembered this from when I saw it when I was four or f- I think I was four. Uh, but the stuff in the Target book, that kind of stuff really stuck out to me. And although it seems quite simplistic to an adult, I think to a kid, 
That kind of stuff's quite strong. I'll tell you what also, yeah, and on, along the same lines, what I really liked was, um, wasn't it suggested by Terence Dix that there should be a female Thal? One of the oh, other, I don't know if that yeah, was. Somebody yeah, somebody mentioned that they're right, and we want a female Thal in there as well. I'm not sure why, whether we were just doing introducing stronger female characters or whatever. But what was nice was you get their speech by the commander, Bernard Horsfall. Horsfall. He's just died. Yeah. Uh, where he, she turns up and he says, you've messed uh, things up. You've messed things up. You're hindering my, my decision making. Yeah. That is a brilliant thing to put into a story. But do you know what it reminds me of a little bit? And probably that in particular, not so much specifically, but the kind of tone, because that's quite, you know, people say, oh, Terry Nation's writing is so shallow and it's so black and white. But that's actually quite a three-dimensional, quite a complex concept for a child to take on board. Yeah. And, you know, people say Genesis of the Daleks is so far removed from the Dalek stories that preceded it. But I don't think it's a million miles away. No. I think speeches like that in Planet of the Daleks are almost exactly the same in the depth of the concept as the kind of stuff that you then got in Genesis because of the presence of Davros. And it's only because of the presence of Davros mm. that Genesis stands out from the rest. Mm. Whereas for most of the time, the script, the actual dialogue and the characters and everything else, is really not that far removed mm. at all. It's, it's nice because it harkens back to the emotional aspect of the Thals. They are an emotional... I've watched Genesis over planet every time, though. Well, I don't think there's... I don't think there's really that much between them. Tom Baker over Pertwee every time. Well, yeah. no contest. Yeah, but that's a that, personal yeah. preference. Mm. And also my personal preference, and yeah, you're right. Mm. But I, there are things about Planet mm. that I like that you don't get in Genesis. Mm. I mean, would you rather watch Willy Wonka or would you rather watch Trench Warfare? Because that is the difference between the two. Really the movie. Well, the the colour, the colour of Planet of the Dark is oh, so bright, so, yeah. you know what I mean? And then you get Genesis, which is all trenchy and dark. But, you know and, but there's a lot of fun in Planets. connects those two stories is the director is David Maloney. And he was one of the few directors who would come in on Doctor Who and say, right, we've got to film this in a studio, which is, you know, four sets in a confined space, all lit by overhead lighting. What can we do? to shake things up and make it not look so much like it's in a studio. Mm. And for instance, in Planet of the Daleks, in the Dalek City, he gets the designer to put ceilings on the corridor sets. How many times do you actually see ceilings on corridor sets mm. in Doctor Who? Point, yeah, I mean, you sure. probably wouldn't know this unless it had been pointed out to you, but you watch any other story with corridors and the camera's always up yeah, looking yeah. down because there's no ceilings. You look at Planet of the Daleks and Genesis... David Maloney sticks his camera low because he's got them to put a ceiling on there. Yes. And as soon as you put the ceiling on, he's doing a Citizen Kane. But what are, the other thing that that's doing, that's cutting out the studio light that's coming in directly from above, which is what was the problem in, say, for example, Warriors of the Deep. You don't get that in Planet of the Daleks. You look at the, um, the city stuff inside the Dalek city in Planet of the Daleks, and the lighting in there is so much more powerful and effective because he's put the ceiling out and cut out that direct light. Apart from the lighting, Warriors of the Deep was... <laughs> well, it could have been, actually. Warriors of the Deep suffered more from production than script mm, problems. Yeah. Just um, go back to the crossover mm, between mm. Frontier and Planet of the Daleks. 
Hang on, I might got this right. This is the trouble with watching stories back to back. When the doctor goes into a coma. Yeah. Why does he go into a coma? He gets shot by a Dalek, doesn't he? Is it? I think. I'm trying to remember. I've watched Frontier. I'm, tr- I'm just trying to get... work out. He sends a message to the Time Lords. Is there a stray Dalek bolt at the end? And for some weird reason, he goes into a coma and then goes frozen. But see, there's a problem at the end of Frontier in Space. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that there was a... Well, what happened was, at the end of Frontier in Space, they ran out of time and they didn't get everything in the can and David Maloney had to come back the following week during filming of Planet of the Daleks and pick some stuff up, but they'd struck all the sets. So the stuff that David Maloney had to film to go in and to finish off that last episode had to be basically filmed against blank walls and stuff, so there was a limit to what they could do. Mm. So basically the last two, three minutes of Frontier in Space is a bit of a hodgepodge of what they could put together to try and make uh, this last very three confused. minutes work. So, yeah, it is the point confused. where I didn't really know what had happened. And it's <clears throat> what, that's also the reason why the Master disappears, mm. because his last scene was never filmed. Or, oh, you know, I, right. I, I don't know well. the absolute specifics of this, but it's something like the Master's last scene was never filmed because A, they didn't have the set, and B, they didn't have the actor. Mm. when they remounted that last minute or so. I did think it was yeah, so. conspicuous by his absence in Planet of the Daleks. Just oh, yeah, was... but but the the very, very end of Frontier in Space is massively compromised. Mm. And uh, you notice it now because you're watching these things mm. uh, all in one go yeah. mm. and not as a child and you've read the book and you can see it more than once. But when it was originally broadcast, when it was a once and once only thing, I think you just got to the end of the story and you were just excited. Was that, that Roger Delgado's last, in it the next week? Roger Delgado's last appearance? Yeah. yeah. That's really sad, isn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. It's, that's like a sort of oft-pointed-out thing amongst fans that he doesn't get a proper no. leaving scene because his last scene was <coughs> never shot or whatever, no. whatever mm. the compromise was. Right. Right, let's Next move one. on to the story that we tossed the coin and came last out of our second place stories, <laughs> which is the Green Death. Uh, you were about to say something. Can you remember what it was? Um, no. That was the... Uh, sorry, I, I got really confused. Was that is that the third one or the second from last one that's tied with the second from last one? No, no. It? The the two <laughs> stories we've done tied in last, and the two stories we're doing now tied in second. second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's not much in it, really, is there? Mind you, I voted this last. Really? And Simon, you voted this first. No, second. I think. I think I, think I voted it first. Hang on. Oh, are we going? I've got a piece of paper in here, but I didn't write the names on it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's me. That's you in the middle, and that's you, Mark. So that's... This is working brilliant in the audio format, isn't it? Yeah, Pointing we do apologise. We'll be playing some uh, <laughs> interval music. Didn't yeah. I do we'll Lee be... first? <laughs> Lee, you <laughs> voted <laughs> Green Death <laughs> first, right? I did. That's yours <laughs> down there. Yes, yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. I'd, I'd vote it fairly high, though. I voted it first because it's just so darn good. Yeah, you voted second. <laughs> mm. Everything about it's brilliant. It's lovely. I can't think of anything bad about I'll this tell one. Tell from Thomas. I mean, oh, some of the, the effects are fairly shocking, but some of the effects are bloody brilliant in it so i don't i don't worry about effects not at that stage because they're so uh. they are bad aren't they i mean the, the flies at the end are terrible but 
And uh, again, you look at the um, Target cover, which is so evocative, and you read the story and it's brilliant, but seeing Green Death for the first time was on, I think, uh, again, mid-90s, and then I bought it on video, big fat double video case thing. Yeah, yeah. And when I watched that, I watched it about two or three times in a row, because I just absolutely loved it. And I think what it was is um, the fact that you had a very interesting enemy in the fact that it was an environmental... Environmental disaster and a computer, which was okay, a bit of a rehash of Wotan and things. But you also had the giant maggots and you had the giant things like you know going on. And I, I don't know, this whole thing was really, really different for Doctor Who, but felt so Doctor Who at the same time. Very hard because there wasn't a tangible foe, was there? No, there wasn't uh, an enemy like no, you know, uh, the master or whatever. But you did have some villainous people. Yeah, yeah, it was set in a Welsh mining village, something completely different. Um, you know, they, the Doctor and Joe, get out of their normal garb and go down and investigate. You know, it's the kind of thing that Terry Nation would like to have done, but didn't in a cave sequence, I thought. And of course, the fantastic end scene, which just blew me away. Well, it is a nice end scene, mm. but I have to say, I had completely the opposite reaction to this. I just thought it was dull. It's just six episodes of running around in a really, really <laughs> overcast-looking countryside. I and like overcast countryside. <laughs> <laughs> See, give me the demons or the android invasion any day. Well, yeah, no, uh, yeah, okay, when it stands for No, but I think Green Death, Green Death has been voted high by a lot of fans and a lot of people. And why is that? Because it's got the maggots. Maggots in it, yeah. Mm. It's got the maggots in it. Planet it, it, of the Spiders to, has got the spiders. I award it kudos because of the subject matter that it was touching on things years ahead. Yeah, I, I always. You only think that now, but it wasn't. What, they invented oh. corn in that episode? Oh, but you're talking about the pollution aspect. Well, the pollution also, yeah, they're saying about the corn and having to look for other, uh, you know, uh, resources. For the planet and what have you. I know people have been talking about it since a year dot, but not not to this extent. Doomwatch. BBC right. had been making Doomwatch for three years before Green Death came up. Okay. And yeah. by the time Green Death came on, it had been done to death by the BBC. Mm. Yeah, but it was that period, the early 70s, where they were talking about it a lot. Soylent Green was done about that time as well i think two years you know the great previous. no blade of grass uh film that Actually, came yeah, out watching the dvd oh, this week the, the writer said i think he said he was influenced by it or he did he name yeah. checked it there's a lot of there was there were a lot of environmental films and <clears> post-apocalyptic <throat> films at that point like i say no blade of grass was all about the grass having a disease and then at that affecting the rice and the wheat crops around the world and people fighting each other mm. and you know the green death had elements of that potential in it that you know, the world could go bizarre shaped because uh, mm. you know of, of all this industrial waste and what have you and what not but uh, I like the big maggots <laughs> I've said my piece I like yeah. the there are a lot of things in Green Death I don't dislike the Green Death I just think it's the dullest story of the series I think the boss computer is fantastic John Death yeah. yeah I don't Green Death over Frontier in Space Mark Boss. He's the guy who picked Frontier in Space first yeah, out of all five. Saying why? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just nostalgic about it. Okay. Well, there you are. A yeah. favorite. I mean, there's things to like in the Green Death. The maggots are brilliant. You know, with you know, you've got these days CGI and all that kind of malarkey. But 
on a fairly tight budget, they made something that yeah. was pretty freaky. There's some stop motion in there as well. There is. The CSO was pretty grammy, I've got to say, in certain yeah. parts. But well, that's seventies Doctor Who. <laughs> some of it's almost as bad as the Action Man tank in Roma. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. it's, it's getting that be way. Bad as yeah. that. that was definitely the worst but it's, ever effect. And I thought the Professor was a bit of a twerp. What, the professor that was the like that Joe Grant goes off with? Clifford Jones. Really? Yeah. Why? Do you not like a bouncy <laughs> hippie? No. You don't, you don't like an environmental him, poodle? I liked it actually made me feel sorry for John Pertwee's doctor when he gets all teary at the end. Yeah. And that's saying something, because I'm not a huge fan, as you may have gathered. John. And you could... And that's the thing about watching it all six <laughs> episodes in one go. It's so much harder to take John Pertwee seriously when you've seen oh. him dressed up as a cleaning lady. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I like your handbag. Exactly. Look at that. That's brilliant, I know. Doctor Who. Yeah, and I think I enjoy it as well because of the Metabolus 3 scenes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ridiculous. Because <laughs> that's the thing about watching these is the way... Um, I'm really conscious of saying it wrong now, Pertwee. Have I said it wrong again? Yeah. Pertwee. Pertwee. Pertwee? Is that <laughs> Pertwee. I Pertwee. I said Pertwee. Yes, you said it right. Okay, Pertwee. Um, <laughs> he he seems to spend his time, and I was going to ask Mark this, as to why you dislike him so much. Mm. Is is it because he's, he's obviously pompous, mm. and he seems to spend half his time just trying to swagger all the time? And look cool while he's doing stuff. I think the two and things. And he goes that, between that yeah. and then being strangled by a tentacle or something like that, and yeah, putting on the stupidest the screen, faces. Yeah. yeah. And you get this weird. And I, I wonder, was he aware of it? He was it, had a reputation for doing physical comedy and yeah. voices before he did Doctor Who. Yeah. And then when he came to Doctor Who, he said, "No, I'm going to do this straight, and I'm going to be a serious and proper action man." But he just couldn't help himself. No, could he? no. <laughs> Have you seen the deleted scene on Inferno? They stuck it back into the story for the oh right for the VHS release, and then realised what a stupid thing that was to do, so took it back off again for the DVD. <laughs> and there's a bit where they're on the alternate planet Earth, mm. and there's supposed to be um, I think it's a news report, oh, and yeah. they didn't have anybody yeah. for the voiceover for the news report. And John Pertwee said, oh, "I do voices. I'll just put a voice on and do it." And it's just. John bloody Pertwee yeah. reading the news report. <laughs> Sounding like Wurzel bloody Gummidge. Oh, I just, yeah. There's an alternate yeah. planet Earth. Wurzel Gummidge reads yeah. the news. <laughs> you ask me what my problem is. My two main gripes are he is very pompous and I just feel he treats his companions like absolute crap. Yeah. He really does. The way he speaks to them is just horrible. Oh, and I tell you what about John Pertwee and Green Death is an absolute blinding example of this <laughs> and it's just going to be one syllable and you'll know exactly what I mean as soon as I say it hi <laughs> <laughs> oh my god if, if there's anybody who thinks he could look like an action hero with a <clears throat> slipped bloody disc it's Bless John him. Pertwee yeah oh my god you know William Hartnell yeah. dealing with the Roman assassin in the yeah. Romans is more convincing than John Pertwee doing his hi yeah. William Hartnell nearly killing a caveman. That was yeah, yeah. But or, or see, hitting somebody in a Dalek invasion of Earth. That but was much you see, more believable. when Pertwee does that, and I don't think he does it in Frontier in Space. High. Yeah. It, well, you know, High is just the example I'm giving of Pertwee thinking he's the action man. But when he, the Green Death, there's that scene where he's running around, 
looking like he's got a cork stuck up his ass, <laughs> dealing with the security guards. <laughs> I can't. I can't take him seriously. No, you can't. No, Is it this one where he dresses up as the milkman as well? Yeah, yeah. milkman and the cleaning yeah, lady. Yeah, yeah. I love all that. I love I know, I, I it's love all a bit it. Benny Hill, it. isn't it? It I was. Mean, yeah. I sort of think, is he, aware, is he self-aware or is he, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's the two mm. things don't mix, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like oil and water. And it's all in John Pertwee's characterisation of the Doctor. And the Green Death is fun yeah. because of that. But by the same token, I think the message and the way the message is addressed is so inconsistent. Oh and there's so much. See, in Frontier in Space, they do a lot of padding, right? But at least every time they do padding, they move the location. Green Death, also a lot of padding. And every time they do some padding, it's in the same bloody field. Do you know what I'm saying? The paddy field. Ooh. <laughs> a padding field. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, no, but I do like those comedy moments. I wish there was more of them, actually. I wish he hadn't yeah. taken himself so bloody seriously and done more of those, because it was what he was good at. See, what you could do is take the frontier yeah. in space, and whenever it started to get a bit dull, just put in going, Hi! Yeah. <laughs> Dress as <laughs> a <laughs> milkmaid. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, you know, just when you're feeling... Uh, all right, let's inject that in. Hi! <laughs> be great. What did he call himself? Ethel or something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of it. No. He's very really, method. Because be let's face it, when he started with the autumn invasion, um, the bit in the scene in the shower and everything like that, it was just it was great. You thought, oh, is this the way it's going to go? And but this this is the Doctor's version of trying to be in disguise. Like the Master does it really well. You know, he, he mm. basically has moulded faces of people which he can stick on his own face in an instant. Yeah, and the yeah. Doctor just you know sticks a mop in his hand and, and some woman's clothing. <laughs> that's his. His world. That's his effort. Incredible. Yeah, and he looks like a cross. You know, the Master's getting away with it and the doctor looks like a cross between Benny Hill and that woman yeah. from Coronation yeah, Street Mike Yarbrough doesn't he yeah it's awful <sighs> not awful it's alright no it's fun <laughs> but it's not for the right reasons uh, 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 right the story that drew oh I don't why am I looking at the piece of paper the I story that drew with that mm. that um, we tossed into second place is well Carnival of Monsters. Hmm. Wow. That means the three's up top, is it? Weird. Do you think... Carnival Are you surprised Monsters? that Carnival of Monsters is high, or do you think it's not high no, enough? No, I was just surprised that what's going to be at the top. But um, The um, the Five Faces of Doctor Who has a lot to answer for in my head. I what, have good very happy memories of Five Faces yeah, of Doctor Who, and it was the first... John Pertwee's story that I'd managed to watch properly. Yeah, me too. But yeah. you voted um, Carnival of Monsters second to last. Yeah, because I thought the rest was fairly strong. Okay, fair enough. I, I, do, I like this season in general, really. I just think there's a strong identity running through all of it, and it's a very technicolour and very comic-y series, season, um, of really imaginative enjoyable stories I mean I know I've said what I've said about Frontier in Space and probably because that is the most lacking in colour of all of them but um, people think that the John Pertwee era was starting to run out of steam by this point and by the following season season 11 it was basically eating itself oh I can understand that but uh, I think it was the other way around. I think it just got stronger as it went on. 
mm. as it became more um, confident in what it was doing. Mm. Mm. I think if you if you look at and here's the best example, and neither of them are in this season, so but whatever. If you look at the example of Curse of Peladon, which is fairly early John Pertwee, or fairly early Barry Letts John Pertwee, and the monster of Peladon, which is later Pertwee, and people will look at those two stories and say, <coughs> Curse of Peladon, brilliant, monster of Peladon, awful. But I have to be honest, I watched the two back to back when the DVD came out, and the one I enjoyed the more was the monster of Peladon. Mm, mm. I can't even remember the monster of Peladon. It's one with the badger wigs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the mining then, people getting a bit uppity. But then uh, the thing about that is there's stuff equally as ridiculous, if not more so, in The Curse of Peladon. Oh, so you yeah. can't level that as the accusation. Oh, no, I'm just differentiating the two. Oh, yeah. But the point is, I think with Monster of with Curse of Peladon, it's all taking itself very seriously. Whereas Monster of Peladon, not quite as much. But I just think Monster of Peladon is a more confident production. Mm. It's quite nice the way it flips things on its head from the previous story. It uses the same, you know, characters, same protagonists. And, you know, you've got the thing with the Ice Warriors, where in the previous one, they're... Anyway, yeah. And in if... one, you've got the king, who is the man with the power even though his right-hand man is trying to influence him. Mm. And then in the other one, you've got the queen whose right-hand man is trying to influence her, and she's the one who's sticking up for herself. Mm. If if they had made another movie in John Pertwee's time, like the <coughs> Peter Cushion films right of, of the 60s, Carnival of Monsters would have been a great choice for film. Mm. It's got... Yeah, no, hear me out, because it's very it's cinematic in its opening. Right, it's got. They're on a boat. They're in the middle of the Indian Ocean or whatever, and they've got a great big monster circling. There's a big <laughs> mystery there. A giant hand comes in. You know the story. They w- w- walk all the way through the electronics. They come out the other end of an alien planet, and it's you know a carnival guy, and he's stopped at this. If you if you expanded that story, made it a little bit more interesting, maybe stuck it in a carnival, for instance, and then you just don't have to your, take out the politics. Yeah, take the politics out and just really big it up. It's such a colourful and interesting and different and fun piece of Doctor Who. But if they'd have made another Doctor Who movie in the mid-70s, at the time of John Pertwee, they'd have done Planet of the Daleks. Would have done. It would have been the same. They could have merged the two. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We haven't actually talked about Carnival of Monsters at (laughs) all, have we? It's full of brilliant ideas. I mean, is it the Vorgscope? Is that what it's called? No. The Miniscope. The The Miniscope. Miniscope. (laughs) Wonderful idea and the the opportunity to see lots of old (laughs) monsters. Literally a carnival of monsters uh, in all the little di- different sections and what have mm. you. And the idea of them breaking Remind through. Me, what and... monsters do we get again? We get, uh, we get the plesiosaur, we get the um, Drashigs. <laughs> Young, yeah. yeah. There's okay. a Dalek in there, isn't there? The pl- no, there's no Dalek in there. Isn't there? No, there's a Cyberman. There's a Cyberman. Oh, right. Yeah. But it's only a glimpse. Yeah. yeah. No, <coughs> no speech or action, just literally a shot of a Cyberman, I think, isn't it? Pretty sure. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, right. So there was a Cyberman in the. Pertwee era. Kind of. Mm, Of sorts. But of course, John Pertwee, the Doctor, doesn't. you only see it from the outside Mm. on it. So John Pertwee's Doctor. Which is interesting because they could have actually thrown a Cyberman in there wandering around screaming out of madness. (laughs) It was. It was a missed opportunity. Um, Yeah, that would have been 
But but nice, then, nice no, ideas like the time loops. You've had that, to pay for it. They were going through time loops. I thought was very a very mature science fiction idea. It was a grand, that, Groundhog Day moment, wasn't it? It's Twilight Zone actually that that yeah. came out with that idea um, visually on TV before anybody else did. I think it's an old an old science fiction trope story, whatever. But I love the idea that they are repeating themselves and they get locked up mm. and then they escape and then these guys go and it's all over. It starts all over again, mm. which you know locking up scenes like I say dull as ditch water but for some reason these were quite funny mm. and these were quite interesting and then there's a moment where Joe Grant just says alright you know go lock me up and she kind of preempts Harry Harry Sullivan yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Martyr yeah. sorry Ian Martyr <laughs> yes Harry isn't he <clears throat> and uh, it's just so beautifully done and they do repeat their lines over again you see things from different angles a bit like the back to the future kind of idea Yeah. and then they eventually escape because he realises there's something wrong with this this place they're in because there's a giant you know, thing that nobody can see apart from him, mm. Doctor. And then he walks through the circuitry, which I, I, you know, and again, that's another Terry Nation idea that they walk from one place to another and they have an adventure through some strange cavern. But this is twists it because it's a circuitry. It's inside mm. a, mm. you know, some electronic device. And I bet Terry Nation was looking at it going, oh, I should have thought of that. But, um, and then it's, when they come out the other side, you get this, an other world, and it's, it's not where you think it is. It's a great yeah. idea. And he's a brilliant character. Shame about his transparent bowler hat, but he's well. He's a carnival man, and it's yeah. it is embarrassing to look at, isn't it? Really, <laughs> with this multi-plastic face, yeah. Whatever. You two are looking very quiet. Well, because we can't get a word in edgeways. <laughs> it's quite an unusual story for Robert Holmes, <clears throat> because Robert Holmes kind of tends to fixate on a particular thing, like a single thing, and he tends to wring out as much as he can get from that single thing. And if you look at the Crotons, and if you look at the Auton stories, and if you look at the Deadly Assassin, there's usually the one thing going on that he, you know, takes for all it's worth. Caves of Androzani, Sunmakers, Power of Kroll. But his Carnival of Monsters... In which, I think it's the only time... No, maybe you could say so with Deadly Assassin as well, with the Matrix and the Gallifrey stuff. But is Robert Holmes doing two things and making a connection between them? Which is, it's almost like Stephen Moffat type of approach. Mm. Look at the girl in the fireplace where you've got the spaceship and you've got the palace. Mm. Mm. And this is, in Doctor Who terms, a very similar idea. Yeah, yeah. Where you've got what's going on in the miniscope and... And it's Robert Holmes doing something that's almost outside of his comfort zone. But what brings it into his comfort zone is because it's all about the politics. And I'm not talking about the politics with a big P. On the outside, you get the politics with a big P. And on the inside, you get the personal politics of the Doctor's interactions with the people on the ship. Mm. So what Robert Holmes does is he takes a sci-fi idea, which is not what he usually does, I mean, if you look at the Auton stories and what, uh, other things that he's done as well, I've just done that oh, thing. <laughs> <clears throat> but usually he takes something that's a really simple idea that's not necessarily very science fiction because it's not something you have to put a lot of thought into, animated plastic. Mm. You know, you don't really have to think a lot about that. That's just the backdrop to the fun and games that you can have with it. But with this, he takes a science fiction idea where you do have to put a lot of thought into the idea as well as the people, because Robert Holmes usually enjoys writing the people mm. and lets the ideas take care of themselves. But here, outside of his comfort zone, he's doing both. It's, his, it's probably 
in many ways his best Doctor Who story because it's the most three-dimensional of all mm, his Doctor mm. Who stories. It's the one that works on more levels than any of his others. Yeah, yeah. Mm. This does seem to divide a lot of people, this story, I think. A lot well, of people... some people look at the story and some people look at the bowler hat. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the grey people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shuffling and they are around. seriously grey, aren't they? They Every are. Shape. Uh, sorry, there's at least they're not green. Who is the recurring <laughs> the Doctor Who actor that's in in this? That's one of the grey people. I can't remember his name now. Not Michael Wisher. Yeah, Michael, Michael Wishes. Michael Wisher. I think. Yeah, I think and so, also yeah. so is the guy from the invasion. And uh... yeah, They'd, I just love them as actors. I think they're really good. Yeah, and mm. they they're working with because I don't think their parts are particularly well written, particularly good. I just, I know not. they are. You reckon? Oh yes, I think. I just think where it's brought writing. to life. Do you really think the writing's oh, good yeah, for yeah. those? I do. Yeah, I really do. I just thought maybe the acting was bringing out no, I think more in the script. Of both. I really yeah. like it. I my voted this first head and shoulders way above all the other stories of this year, mm. and I like this year. I like all five stories. Yeah, but I think yeah, this yeah. is. I wouldn't make any claims for it being one of the Doctor Who greats because I think there's things about it. It's a classic. I don't think it is a classic. I think there's a lot good in it, but I don't think you could... It's not a... It's not a Talons of Wang Chang and no. it's not a Genesis of the Dalek. It's just shy of a classic, isn't it, do you think? It's not successful in all areas. No, no, okay. But what it does is it has an... Um, um, you know, we always talk about this, the story's ambition. Yeah. And a lot of stories have ambition in terms of the scope and the vista. Let's do a devastated future Earth in a television studio in 1964 overrun by Daleks, right? Mm. That has scope, that has visual imagination. But the imagination that's gone into Carnival of Monsters is mostly internal imagination. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's as successful as stories like Talons of Wang Chiang in its world building. If you think about it, it's probably the only story that takes place within about 15 feet. Of it, of its, you know, it's, it's, it's a all... fifteen feet circle. That's the whole story. It doesn't go anywhere. You feel like it does, but in fact, the miniscope is just it's next in to this room. It's in it's the same all in one room. <laughs> it's all mm. in the same room. So that's quite an incredible feat as well. I think midnight is the other one. Is it explained how the TARDIS manages to materialise in it? Doesn't matter. I know it doesn't matter, but <laughs> they don't even try to explain it, do they? No, no I don't know. No. If they do. No, I shouldn't have thought no, so. No. I can't. But remember maybe it was really. about to land on the miniscope, and there was something in there just went. Whoosh, just sucked it in. Yeah, who knows? Doesn't I matter. tell you what, this is going to sound funny, but Carnival of Monsters is one of those stories that's responsible for the rekindling of my love of Doctor Who, uh, mm. in a way, because uh, in the 90s, I kind of... Was it the lady assistant? Joe Grant. <laughs> no, no, the, the lady... Oh, you, uh, uh, Scherner? Yeah. Scherner <laughs> and Vogue, isn't it? Mm. No. No? No, it really yeah. isn't. Is it Vogue? <laughs> Yes, yes, it really was. It's a bowler hat. Oh, oh there God. you go. Oh, there's something about see-through clothes, isn't there? Oh, yes. Yeah, you can see through them. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> oh, that's it. Show about the bowler hat. Mark, have you got anything to say while JR just <coughs> salivates in the corner? I'm not salivating. I was say, we are talking Joe Grant. Joe Grant. Okay, come. No, Joe Grant just... is up there, isn't she? Come, come she's, back up, she's up there as one of the, the ladies of Doctor Who, isn't she? She is. Joe Grant. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, no, the thing I was going to say was when, because during the 1990s, I'd kind of grown out of, if you want to put it that way, the series and didn't have a lot to do with it during the 1990s, but never threw my videos away. Mm. And then when the Robots of Death DVD came out, because it was DVD and I just bought a DVD and this was 2000, so this was pretty early. And I bought the Robots of Death DVD because I had such fond memories of the story and enjoyed it so much that I decided to get some of the old videotapes out and rewatch some of them. Mm. And Carnival of the Monsters, Carnival of the Monsters, <laughs> Carnival, of Mo- Carnival of Monsters was the one where it clicked, mm. was the one where I said, because I think I perhaps watched maybe a couple before and kind of wasn't quite getting it. And no. Carnival of mm. Monsters were the moment where I thought, that's why I love Doctor Who. Mm. So that's kind of one of the mm. stories that are responsible for me sitting here now. I've still got a video, uh, two or three videos actually, of somebody who had recorded the five faces of Doctor Who. Right. So with all the adverts and everything going on in between them, and it had three Doctors, kind of on monsters on on it as well, wasn't it? Did yeah, they yeah. play? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a funny thing, wasn't it? Because they showed them out of sequence. Yeah. Because kind of all the monsters came immediately after three Doctors, but yeah, they transmitted right. them the other way around, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, I tell you what but I haven't done yet, but I'm halfway through doing, I'll be really quick, is I have a website where I just put bits of information and stuff like that up. And because, you know, we've been talking about the repeats lately yeah, and all various things. Well, I've put, I've not finished doing the repeats because all the other stuff I already had on a document on my PC hard drive. So the other stuff I've put up already and the repeats I'm going to have to type in. So I'm going to have to wait till I finish editing the book. Mm. So I'll probably do it in a week. But if you log on to watchingdoctorwho.weebly.com, you can find a full list of all the target books in order with release dates, all the DVDs, all the VHS stories in order with their release dates. And I've started, and by the time I've finished, you'll have all the terrestrial repeats of Doctor Who with dates and channels and stuff. Mm. So all that stuff, including scans of all the Weetabix cards as well, so watching doctorwho.weebly.com, just go there and it's like a pile of... Uh, you can get all this stuff on Wikipedia, but I find Wikipedia is a bit of a nightmare to Did use. Did you put your graph on there that measures the percentage of black and white and colour in... The... <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to? I will do. Do it. Yeah, do it. Okay. Do but it. you've got to do it in felt tip and then scan it and put it on. It's not it. some flashy computer graphic. i'll scan my yeah. and in but, a minute i'm going to put a graph on there of just how many marks my hand leaves across your forehead <laughs> just reminded me that episode we did about we did about the target books where at the end you said about the book that you didn't or the last one you got which was survival battlefield oh battlefield sorry yeah battlefield and i found it upstairs i didn't realize i'd picked it up from a boot sale i managed to oh, get it yeah. is it worth anything mm. <laughs> Um, look, Carnival of but it, it was, we had better but, get on. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Very, no, no, it's okay. Late. I kind of finished. It's just that these videotapes weren't oh, mine. Sorry. I found them in a student house and I was occupying it and the previous person had just left them behind. And, and I, I left them and left them. And I was well, maybe they'll come back and tried to contact them. And I thought, do you know what? I'm having these. So I've got them at home. But it was fantastic watching it again with all the adverts. Yeah, still got them somewhere. Right, been good. I'll give them to JR. I can scan them all in. We'll see. I've got the same here. Yeah. I can probably run copies off because I've still got VHS. It's not hooked up, but I can. So I edit this out. Mm. (laughs) 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 Well, that's how my Battlefield trailer came to. I'll put a link up to the Battlefield trailer on the website as well. Yeah. Anyway, that was a nice little uh, 
No, hob- it's not. Hob-nob I think because of the you've you've missed a few episodes, and we've yeah. talked about all this stuff in the last mm. few episodes. Okay. All yeah. these things specifically. So nice I to be back, thought by I'd way. put them up. Have once it's finished, I'll put a link on the you and who the Blue Box Podcast Facebook page, <laughs> <laughs> and people nice will plug. be able to go and look. But yeah. Anyway, three so doctors. What three doctors. Yeah. Three doctors. Three doctors. Obviously. I adore the three doctors. I will say, if I'm going to throw a nugget out and let you guys run with the nugget, what colour's the nugget? Then <laughs> it's kind of a sort it's of brown. I don't want orangey know. brown nugget. Ooh, sand yeah. coloured. Like a gold say. nugget. Sand coloured okay. nugget. Dorset sand. So I'm holding your table. That's decided all of our, um, you know, the pre- order of preference of the of the stories we're talking about. And I can't make head nor tail of it. Well, down the left hand side, you've yes. got the names of the stories. Got it. Yes. And then you've the got votes. Simon, who voted five points. In other words, first for Green Death. Oh, I see. It goes. And then way. four, right. three, two, one. And then yeah. the right hand side, you've got I didn't the total Green Death first. And then just beside that, you've got the order. All right. So um, I'm just trying to really work out Simon. where I put. Oh, sorry. Work out where I put it. I must have put it third or something, I suppose. Uh, well, the voting on Three Doctors was Simon put it first, Mark and I put it second, and you put it third. Hmm. Look, Three so Doctors. So I win. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, work like fact, that. It doesn't as we look like at it, it is. You've put... I wanted it first, and it's first. So I win. Have a hobnob. Well you've done. got all five <laughs> in the actual order. We've done them. Look at that. There hey, you know. That's why you can wear red socks. I am the lowest common denominator. No, you know, I'm talking I rubbish. You haven't really. <laughs> anyway, the three doctors. <laughs> Jail guards. <laughs> Look, three doctors is one of those stories that's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, no, but that it is that. impossible not to love. Yeah, it is fantastic. If for no that's other reason nugget. than the relationship between the three doctors, how they riff off each other. Or basically the two. Well, yeah, yeah but even when the first one comes in, he... They take their roles perfectly, and you realise yeah. how brilliant the decision was of their three personalities. I and mean, of, well, Pertwee was probably an accident, but that works really well to have the pompous one with the. Anyway, yes, it's total and utter excitement and and brilliant kind of oh, what's the word indulgence to mm. see the three of them working together. And I just so wish there was more of that. And I love that first half of it, all of it with the unit HQ disappearing with the with the Brigadier Sen, it's got to be Chroma and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I love all of that. I love all of that. And the fact that the actual whole of unit base and bits have ended up on another planet, that's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, little bits of wall and Yeah, fantastic. Like yeah. Beautifully thought out ideas. Yes. Let's put those outside. That looks weird. Yeah, it does. And then you meet um, Omega or Omega and you kind of think, yeah. Oh, no, I didn't find that remotely disappointing. He was great. No. Mm. And then there was moments of fighting half-naked with a oily monster. In <laughs> Hi! The, it, Hi! <laughs> what the heck was that yeah. all about? Why do you do yeah. a Nazi salute every time you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. Because he's wearing his jack boots tonight. <laughs> yeah, but listen to me do it and listen to Lee do it. And yeah. who does it with the most very similitude? Right, let's have a go. I'll do it first. Go on. Hi! <laughs> Hi! Yeah, you're right. <laughs> You've yeah, got to do the action, yeah. otherwise you can't get the sound. Yeah. Nazi. <laughs> I think the first time I saw this was in Five Faces, and I don't remember having seen any Troughton before they put on the Five Faces of Doctor Who, and I just lapped it up. I was yeah, watching no, it, I, I loved it. Croton's the first time I'd Great. seen him. Yeah, 
Yeah, I knew nothing about him mm. apart from pictures. Well, I must have seen this when it was transmitted, but I don't remember it. When you, the things you remember from when you're four are the monsters. Well, the jail guards on the top trump cards, that's what I remember more than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't watch it when it was transmitted. No, I didn't. No, I, I didn't. I may have done, but I'd have been two, so I can't remember. I think we'll ever get a, a Mr. Rollis action figure. <laughs> I think there's uh, a good chance of a custom of it if you're prepared mm. to pay somebody enough money. And that's about your best chance. I was thinking if they ever did like a Rod Hull action figure, they could probably just take the head off that and (laughs) stick it on a generic body. I thought it was great. There was some lovely little things in it. There was the the imprint of his face. Yeah. You know when they they examined the box and they saw the imprint of his face? Mm -hmm. That was really creepy. Quite Quatermass. And, um, you know, and the thing at the end where the the, the recorder gets stuck in the thing and it's the only thing that's that's left of of matter. Isn't that right? Mm, It's not the only thing that's not antimatter. And um, yeah, the f- grades. Piccolo saves the day. Some lovely little devices going on. It's not just a multi-doctor story. It's actually quite a nice little. Sci-fi it's a, it's story. just a brilliant open, open sequence as well. With that, with the um, is he a gamekeeper or poacher or something or what? I think he's, he's a, a gamekeeper. He's a gamekeeper. And he yeah, finds yeah. a silver balloon, weather balloon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of that was a mystery to me. I don't know where the balloons were, and I thought they were really weird and mysterious and scientific. And I remember thinking, why has he got a car battery? it's fun and it never takes itself too seriously Mm. unlike some other stories where they try and do the science bits and they try and do some of the characters to here's that word again give it some verisimilitude in the three doctors they just don't bother ollis and the the other scientist guy i can't remember his name can't Mm. remember the actor's name either they just don't take themselves too seriously and they're not written to either. <laughs> they're just, it's an example of Doctor Who just telling a story purely for the fun. There's no, there's no other side to it. If you look at all the other stories in this season, what's it about? And you've got Frontier in Space is about um, politics between countries, about borders and boundaries. And Green Death is about you know, the environmental stuff and Carnival of Monsters even has got politics in it. And Mm. it's also about, do you have the right to treat different species with different levels of respect? And Planet of the Daleks is about bravery and doing the right thing. And Three Doctors is about chucking three actors together and just letting them live it up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? And we voted it top. Yeah. You know, all these other four stories, we could have voted top and we could have said, "This is these are the stories you're supposed to respect." Fact, do you enjoy it? Is yeah. It, is it a romp? The other four stories are the ones you're supposed to respect. Yeah. This is the story you're supposed to enjoy, and we've all enjoyed it enough to vote it first. Mm. What can you say? When the when the goo, it's the dinosaurs on a spaceship of 1972. <laughs> when when the when the goo is touching things and it transports it into the antimatter world, did it take the drain? Because <laughs> it went down the train, didn't it? Perfectly well. <laughs> they should have just taken the drain with them. That's obviously got some kind of yeah. power. Yeah, that's, yeah. And Bessie as well. Yeah. Had Bessie in it, for goodness sake. Brilliant. Yes, there's so much to like in it. Yes. Um, and the dialogue between the doctors is, is great. Mm. And the sets in Omega's lair are not. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no. I don't, but you know, when I watched that, 
and you know it's one of those stories where you just go into 12 year old mode or 8 year old mode when you start watching it's the only way you can watch it really yeah and as an 8 year old the the 8 year old inside me is looking at those sets and thinking spooky and it is villainous and it is slightly odd and even if it is a bit naff it doesn't look mm. it doesn't look cheesy naff it just looks odd naff and, and I like I love it. that idea that Omega has just stayed alive through Will alone yeah and he takes off his helmet and there's nothing underneath no. unbelievable and he creates a chair to impress everybody <clears throat> yeah but I really <laughs> like that because Ooh, sit down have a cup of tea yeah, but no, but you That was just, like Bane, wasn't it? <laughs> you've, but you've just said it, taking the mickey, but what would you do? If you could create anything to demonstrate your power, all you need to do is create something. doesn't mm. matter what it is, because that's the demonstration of the power. Creates a chair. Lee would make a 20-foot golden statue of himself, riding naked. a unicorn. Naked. Riding a unicorn, is that yeah. a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> that's my catchphrase, is that a euphemism? <laughs> It's interesting, though, uh, the multi-doctor thing. All of them so far have all been Time Lord related, haven't they? Because you've got Omega, and the Time Lords are obviously <clears> bringing <throat> them together as a... Uh, sorry, am I... No, it's I'm just making... that you've got a flashing thing in the corner that keeps grabbing my attention. That's oh, me. Right. Just carry on. It's the broadband, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, been doing that for the last three and a half hours. You've not noticed me looking up at it every now and oh, again. Oh, I did wonder. It seemed to do it every time I move my hands in the air. Oh no, it's just the blue light <laughs> flickers. And every time. Will alone, you can control <laughs> your broadband. It's quite bright, the blue light, you see, and it's just in the corner of my eye. So every time it flickers, I just do it again. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying, Simon? Yeah. So what I was saying was that all this, all the celebration and all the multi-doctor stories have all been Time Lord related. You've got Omega in three doctors, you've got Rassilon in five doctors, and it's all based around Gallifrey. Um, even the two doctors is to do with the second doctor being on some kind of stupid mission for the Time Lords. So it'd be interesting with going back to this celebration episode, no Time Lords. So how is he going to bring the doctors together? Oh, will there? Well, or will that be when Stephen Moffat brings them out of retirement? Who knows? Time Crash didn't. No, it didn't actually, no. Silver Nemesis? No multi doctors. Yeah. That's just an but it's an anniversary story, though, isn't it? I feel like we've come sort. full circle. Almost. Oh. The episode I've got a 25th anniversary T-shirt that I'm selling on eBay. Is, Is it, it worth anything? anything? <laughs> <laughs> you bit me to it. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> it's a child's one, actually. Wear it much? <laughs> I can't believe you've actually got a catchphrase. Is it worth anything? And you both said it at the same time. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. It amuses uh, us. It's got the shocking logo on it anyway. There we go. The the twenty oh, the neon. Twenty fifth, yeah. So it's got the the McCoy. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Yeah, good luck. I haven't got a catchphrase, have I? Everything I say is shit, that's why. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Actually, your catchphrase is usually <clears throat> silence because you're not here. Yeah, usually Oi. the ca- the catchphrase <laughs> most associated with Lee is he's in that box with Stephen Moffat. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Maybe it's that. Or yeah. Mind you, I had tumbleweed this week. Um, Three doctors. 
Yeah, I think we're done. We've said how wonderful it is now. Yeah. We love it. Okay. What else can you say? I know. I think it, it has an advantage of being so soon after the two previous Doctors have been in the show. So you haven't yeah. got that age difference either. So it's believable. It's more believable. Patrick Trout just slots back into the role just like that, doesn't he? And also, here's the interesting thing. It began broadcasting in 1972, mm. which was 11 months before the actual 10th birthday. And, of course, it finished... Still 10 months before the, you know, it finished in January and mm. the birthday wasn't until November. It wasn't a 10th anniversary story. It was a 10th season story. Oh, uh, right. Yep. Story that's actually nearest to the anniversary. Well, the last one before the anniversary is the Green Death and the first one afterwards is the Time Warrior. Right. Huh. So there you go. Fun mm. fact about the Three Doctors. Fun, Fun fact. And I've got cramp because we've been sitting here for three and a half hours and it's been <laughs> plaguing me for about half an hour now. No, it's yeah. Eric Escamilla doing voodoo on you for nicking all his catchphrases and ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't say the memory cheats was his idea. No, no. They are the I didn't stealer of dreams. His idea. That is a fun fact. Yes. It's just that we did a bit of news, so I decided to put a bit of podcast fun. Hey, we didn't get that, did we? We haven't what? had it two episodes now. What's that? thing that he normally does to us. Oh, yeah, that's true. What do I normally do? I'm not saying it. I don't What's know a minute what... long and makes us run out the door? Ooh. <laughs> oh, Simon. And on that bombshell. <laughs> Simon, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I've been around for three weeks. That's not right, fair. Right, I Help really think me. it's time. Oh, it sod is. it. Let's do it then. Oh, you swine. <laughs> I can't believe you've... Uh... <laughs> it's only a minute. Oh, and let's Why face you it. Why you else last a minute? Mark. Um, what? <laughs> okay, Simon, since you brought it up. <laughs> oh. And since we didn't have one in the last episode, I'm going to do two. <laughs> so the first one, Lee, you've got 60 seconds on the Space Museum. <laughs> I don't think I can last 60 seconds on the Space Museum. <laughs> um, what, she said. what a story, eh? It's got the most brilliant setup of any dot two story ever i love the idea that they meet themselves all caged up in a space museum but then it all falls apart because there's a whole load of dreary bollocks with uh, <laughs> people just generally arguing about nothing and being quite childish in corridors and oh we can have a revolution and it's awful but the, the just that opening sequence of them finding themselves in a museum is just one of the best ideas ever. Right, you've still got 20 seconds. I know, you can put tumbleweed in there if you want for the next one. Because there is nothing I'm else to say about Space Man. Go on now. Did oh no, they... I really like William Hartnell's uh, messing around with the oh, mind the probe. <laughs> and the uh, penny farthing and the yeah. bathing costume. Not, Not the mind the probe. Mind probe. <laughs> there you go, Lee, that could be your catchphrase. Here's yeah. my question about the Space Museum, right? They set up this conundrum. They've skipped a time track and they found themselves and they've effectively been killed. So the rest of the story is these four characters having to somehow avoid finding their way into the position whereby they got killed, right? So it hmm. needs some kind of, for want of a better term, wibbly-wobbly explanation for how they hmm. never get there. But there never is. They no. just go through the story and at the end of it they aren't dead so they get in the TARDIS and go. Exactly. There's no rescue. 
No, it doesn't. They don't rescue themselves. They don't no. rescue the story. There's no. no, there's nothing in there. And they need in order for that it story needs that to point, doesn't it? Where you think yeah. it's going to happen to them. It's going to yeah. happen to them. In order for that story to work, you need to get to three quarters of the way through episode four, and for them to be in a position whereby they could end up as exhibits mm. in that Stuffed. museum, and you never get there. No. So story, okay. that story needs to be rewritten. Right on the spot. For the next 60 seconds, Simon, Mark, you can talk about Aliens of London. Oh, um, well, I liked Annette Badland in it. I thought she was pretty good. Um, not overly keen on farting monsters, but I guess the kids liked it. I um, <laughs> hmm. Some quite good scenes. Um, the bit where... Eccleston's talking to, I think it's Annette Badland's character, and they're just about to seal up the sort of uh, defences, lock themselves into number 10. That's quite cool. Um, and is it the first cliffhanger since the series came back? I remember. Um, it was. Yeah. Not personally a favourite of mine, but I know some people really like it. Um, well, you managed to do... Six seconds longer than Lee did, so I suppose we'll <laughs> let you off for that. Honestly, though, 60 seconds on a Doctor Who story shouldn't be difficult. No. Okay. Could have said I'm a few more. Begging for a pee, and my cramp is getting worse, and we've actually been going for another hour and a half, and it is very late, and Mark needs to get back to bed because he's ill. Mm, so, yeah. Simon, for the I've next 60 seconds. I've got to be up tomorrow, I'll pass five. <laughs> next 60 seconds, you can talk about... Planet of Fire. Wow, Planet of Fire. Um, I'm trying to get out of the habit of saying the title of the thing to make some time at the start, but here I am padding that out. <laughs> Planet of Fire. There's Bikinis. One thing in Planet of Fire did not need padding. Bikinis. Let's face it, Nicola Bryant, the most gorgeous companion of all of them. She's lovely, and I'm going to meet her in the summer. That's going to be a bit weird, if I'm honest. Wow. Um, at For her. Uh, the X-Wing event, X-Wing fundraisers event at Pecorama in July, isn't it? Is it June or July? Find on the web. No, it's the end of June, isn't stop, it? Stop padding out, Simon. Get on with it. I'm not. I'm not. This is all about <laughs> Nicola Bryant. Um, and also Turlo, who I absolutely loved. Don't remember a lot of Chameleon, of course, and uh, all this business of this fire that the Master ended up in, with in the, at the end. And then suddenly, um, I really don't remember much about the story at all, if I'm honest. I just remember bikinis. Okay, you, you and everybody to, else. You managed to get about as far as Mark did, perhaps a couple of seconds beyond Mark. <laughs> well done. Um, I don't know. Somebody want to nominate a story for me then, seeing as we're here, we're doing it? Uh, Battlefield. Okay, Battlefield. Well, I do Battlefield. We've done that before, haven't we, where I've ragged on about Battlefield a lot, but not as an on-the-spot. Okay, I loved, as we all know, the line where Anselin comes in and looks up and sees Sylvester McCoy for the first time and says, Merlin, against all hope. Absolutely love that. <coughs> love the idea of Battlefield. Execution is a bit of a mixed bag. Some of the stuff with Ace is absolutely appalling. Some of the stuff with the Brigadier is absolutely wonderful. Particularly the scene in the graveyard where she doesn't kill the little man because she has no reason to so she lets him live. And the scene in the pub where she kills the girl soldier she was gorgeous. Why couldn't she have lasted all four episodes? And then gives the sight back to the woman who works behind the bar. 
there's a lot of grown-up ideas and a lot of kids' ideas. Oh, Doctor Who's actually turned into, you know, King Arthur of the Round Table. It's a brilliant mixture of all sorts of different influences and it could have been really wonderful and I think that the most wonderful thing about it is that it even tried. Well done. One minute 14. Oh, you see, I did 25 seconds longer than any of you. (laughs) Um, Female Brigadier. Dear, oh dear. Oh yeah, she was awful. She was. But she was paired up with Anselin, who was wonderful. Yeah, was good. I like Anselin. Oh, he was brilliant. He was the best thing in it by a long way. I'll have to rewatch it. I think I've got it. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed it more the second time watching it. I think I beat it to a pulp when we first talked about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there's still lots of bits I can't stand. But hey, the old Arthur thing. I'd, I'd, yeah, right. I've uh, got to get Mark home, and I've got to get up in the morning. So and the too. listeners' ears are bleeding. I'm sure. Yeah, let's bang this thing on the head. Okay, as the actress said to the bishop. What are we going to do next time, guys? <laughs> Another podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Who knows? I think next time me and Simon will just do one because it's way better than doing this with you guys. <laughs> uh, no, really. What should we do next time? Have we got anything lined up that we want to? Is there a subject we haven't done yet? Ooh, I do don't you know, know what we didn't do? We did. We said we were going to do the different kinds of Doctor Who stories. Historicals, futuristic, yeah. alien planets. We didn't do alien planets, did we? We never did alien planets and we dev- never did present day. We could do those. So we should mm. do... No, let's do one of those and do something else. And then Another do the season, other maybe? So let's next time do f- Alien Planets, right? Right. Yep, okay. okay. And we'll just sort of go through a history of how different production teams have looked at, have used Alien Planets on screen. Mm. Right, that'll be next time then. I was JR. I was Lee. I was Mark. And I was Simon. And we'll talk again soon. And you always look at Mark. I'm shaking my booty. by email via blueboxpodcast at yahoo.co.uk Lasagnas. Oh, nag bowl. <laughs> they made a but the best. Yeah, but the best thing about them was that they only took five minutes in the microwave. They're perfect for when you're eating on the hoof. You've <laughs> <laughs> seen the, the little mini though. ones they do. Go on. Horse d'oeuvres. <laughs> <laughs> Nay. <laughs> oh. Can have a biscuit, I don't care. No, if he crunches much. on the mic, that's because Mark refuses to dunk. Fine by me. I've never seen cups so large. If, they, if, all things, if all things were meant to stay dry, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> oh, that's foul. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you said. <laughs> I'm with you on this, Simon. That's disgusting. <laughs> that's quite good, though. I'll have to remember that.
Yeah. It was a genius moment. It was. It was quite South Park, that, ad, that uh, joke. Now that they're... Oh, I don't pick yourself up too much. <clears throat> now that this horse meat scandal's all been brought to life, though, the abattoirs are knackered. <clears throat> Whoa. I thought they were quite stable. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, funny. Hey, you're good. 